This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. I am Joe Lipset, and I am joined by my two best princesses. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't even keep it together. Uh, Jed Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hello. Oh boy, ladies, we are talking about <laughs> sleeping with the enemy, the Julia Roberts uh, domestic abuse thriller from 1991. <laughs> and I am so curious, does this film hold up for the two of you? You know what? I I forgot how just over the top, completely in his own orbit, Patrick Bergen is in this. I... I <laughs> don't know like just the he acts so much there's just there's just so much acting like that 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 scene where he discovers <laughs> the 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 ring in the in the in the toilet oh my god like his whole face yeah. just like like every part of his face is doing something different you know you his his eyes are getting wide his mouth drops open like like mm-hmm. he's just putting his all into it it's it's so stagey and 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 like you know made for tv movie thriller and i i really i really love it so much it's hilarious Mm-hmm. same yeah there is a very like kind of mix of made for tv but also theatrical yep. release like it's it kind of finds the middle line of those two things i think really well just before i say anything about this movie i will say it's hard for me to be objective about this movie because i've seen it it's one of those movies where you haven't seen it in 10 years and then you put it on you realize you know all the words to it you know a hundred percent i have seen this so many times it has like a lot of nostalgia tied up to just my childhood but also like it means a lot to me so i found it that it held up very well like surprisingly well i find it a little over the top and simplified but mm-hmm. other than that, yeah, I, I was surprised given that it's like early 90s, 91, you know? Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I used to watch this all the time because my sister was obsessed <laughs> with this movie. I think it has something to do with Julia Roberts' hair because this is like uh-huh. peak Roberts' hair condition. It's this and I think Flatliners, which comes uh-huh. up the next year. Ooh, it's another one of my all-time favorite movies. I love it. <laughs> But I will say with this one, I really like the descriptor that the two of you use, which is that it does feel almost made for TV movie. But because it has Julia Roberts in it at this sort of peak moment, obviously it went theatrical. It made so much money, which I think surprised a lot of folks as though (laughs) women don't like to come to the movies (laughs) or something. Right, right. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I... I almost feel like we should give a bit of a content warning for anyone who has ever been in a domestic abuse situation, because particularly the early parts of this film, when Mm. Laura is literally just trying to survive by flying under the radar of her abusive husband's wrath, Mm. like, 
I found it incredibly difficult to watch this time around. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty startling. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, you know, helps that she's like a baby deer in this movie. She's so young. <laughs> and, and, you know, she's got the hair and she's just this, I mean, I, I, I hate infantilizing her but she really is just a sweet little girl in it and it's like and, and it's like mm-hmm. why would anybody do this to her <laughs> you know it's just like like right. you know, like you can you can you can you can imagine audiences seeing this in 91 being like boo oh, like you know and like mm-hmm. you know, when he smacks her when he's calling her these horrible names when he's accusing her of sleeping with they like they like nerdy next door doctor and like, like mm-hmm. you know he kind of ropes him into this awkward conversation about like oh you see my wife huh and, and the guy's like yeah i see her looking outside and it's like yeah she's sure beautiful the doctor's mm-hmm. like mm, yeah i suppose <laughs> you can tell that, that he's like i knew it yeah he's like he's like he's uncomfortable and that he takes this into well surely this means they're fucking and it's like yeah i mean it the casting for it is perfect because he's obviously a bit older than her, probably at least 10 to 20 years older than her. And, you know, how long did they ever say how long they were married? Because she's only supposed to be like 25. I think they said yeah, it's three, three years. years. Right? Okay, yeah. so he probably like scooped her up like in a park or something, you know, impressed her with his money. <laughs> and, and like. It was a child abduction. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying like, right, like know, a big butterfly he, net, he, you know? Yeah, like she's probably, you know. Didn't have a whole lot of life experience, and you know he dazzled her with you know his flashy lifestyle. I mean that, that's how it mm-hmm. happens a lot of times, and and, mm-hmm. and and then you know he turns it on her, and it's you know it's it's good casting. You know he's basically an ogre, and she's a princess trapped in a castle. Mm-hmm. Yes, a glass castle, the yeah. house porn. Just Ooh. as a sidebar, the house porn. Uh huh. Oh yes, yes. We we're going to talk about the house porn. Um, yeah, it's interesting watching this at the beginning and. I think as a child, I knew what was going on here. I knew he was a bad guy, and I don't think I totally understood everything that was happening. And I've written about this in a lot of places, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. But like this, my dad was a perfectionist. So like I Mm. really loved seeing the vilification of this like over-controlling nature, you know, and that it's not just that he is hitting her. It's that he is controlling every aspect of her life you know and Mm -hmm. i think he is very over the top like if i were to fault this movie for anything i think that it just does feel very over the top but that's me looking through 2022 eyes you know i think in 91 this didn't feel like this felt like oh wow there are people like this out there you know like i feel like there weren't too many of these stories being told back then or at least not on my radar I do think the choice of music that he, oh boy. That I, 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 I did kind of have a good laugh at that. I'm like, okay, come on. I mean, the, 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 right, you know, right, the, right. the jealousy, the, the, you know, expecting the house to look a certain way, the, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you better be home to make my dinner at six o'clock every night. And, you know, that's, yeah. you know, that's standard abusive behavior. But yeah. this, this choice of like this horror movie music he puts on. To oh my God. Come on. Who doesn't want 
wanna fuck to Fantasia. Yeah, or, or the or the or they uh uh they lift a part of it for the theme to the shining. Like like right. like mm-hmm. if you're if you're watching this for the first time and you're not familiar with the piece of music, you'd be like, Where have I heard that before? You've mm-hmm. heard it in the theme to the shining, which is <laughs> which is which is which is, you know, funny to be like, mm, yeah. Time for a little romance. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, and I feel like that fits his character very well. Like, he does not want a wife. He doesn't want a partner. He wants to dominate someone and listening to that music. I can understand why it would make him feel like a big, strong man. And I'm, I'm going to like dominate this deer in the forest. Like, I think there's a, but it's just very Disney villain or cartoon villain, you know, Mm -hmm. like literally Fantasia, you know. Which is yeah. not bad, because I think, like, as a kid, if it were more nuanced, I wouldn't have gotten that, you know? And so I've grown up with this in my head and knowing, like, when somebody is very, like, there are kind of nuances to his abuse. Like, there's the hitting her, and then there's, like, the, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that dress. And I love mm-hmm. how we don't see anything else. We just see that suggestion and then her having changed to what we know she doesn't want to do. So I feel right. like the overarching like really big abuser in bright letters helps me kind of connect the more insidious behavior to it you know Hmm. i fully agree with that i think that a lot of this movie is writ large to help everyone understand like no she is being abused don't mm-hmm. be fooled by the flashiness of this marriage don't be you know, lured into a false sense of security by this guy because he seems like he's nice most of the time. Like, this isn't Mm -hmm. an isolated affair. My favorite moment is when she says, you know, oh, I could work an extra couple of days at the library. And he Mm -hmm. says, well, you're already working there multiple days. And also, you know, dinner has to be served on time. And she's like, Mm -hmm. has dinner ever been late? And he literally has a date in mind from what I think is like weeks or even months before. Yeah, months ago. And you're just like, oh, wow. Yeah, he is controlling every aspect of her life and Mm. he does not want her out of his sight. Mm-hmm. That that was the only thing I had. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things that don't quite hold up as far as <laughs> sure. her, her escape plan. I mean, I guess we're supposed to assume when she's supposed to be working the libraries, when she's actually taking the swimming lessons. Yes. Yes. But I'm a little shocked that he did not ever just show Check up at the, at the library to make sure mm. she's there. That 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 seems Ooh. like now. I I believe he works in in the city. The, the city. So maybe mm. maybe it's complicated for him to get in home. But I'm surprised. It seems like something he would do. For sure. Yeah, just to check on her, to make sure something like this didn't happen, you know, maybe not intentionally, but just to make sure he knows everything that's going on, you know, because this is mm-hmm. a big secret to keep, you know. Or just to make sure she wasn't with another man like he yeah. constantly right. thinks she's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember, not like the first time I watched this movie, but I remember being surprised every time the way that it's presented when they go out on the boat you think that she's drowned and then there's almost no warning and we just get this flashback of her 
like, how did I get to this point? It is mm. classic erotic thriller move where mm. you're just like, oh, you thought this? No, secret. She's been swimming the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you read, like, Gone Girl or you see, like, The Invisible Man, you can mm -hmm. see the seeds of a lot yes. of this. Like, that people that are our age that grew up watching this movie, you know, are like, oh. Like, I was watching Invisible Man and I was like, oh, sleeping with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy, you know, she's going to get out. So, but that scene where she's trying to escape is so tense. Ooh, yeah, I find it terrifying because mm -hmm. when she is stopping to change her clothes, I was like, "Bitch, no, you don't yeah. even <laughs> you you go out there wet and you uh -huh. run until you are safe because you are still in that house. Like uh -huh. he could return at any moment. What are you doing?" I know that's what gas station makeovers are for. You know, so you can get <laughs> out of the house. Yeah, like she's giving herself a haircut in that sink mm -hmm. and then cleaning it up. I was like, no, that is 100% a gas station makeover move. You do not do it then and there. Yep. She's putting a wig on, too. She's giving herself a haircut to put a wig on. So. <laughs> also, never flush. I mean, I, this is how I learned. Like, don't try to flush your evidence down the toilet mm -hmm. because it might not go all the way, especially a ring. Anyways, I'm glad she got away, but I have some issues with her plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, she just should have taken that ring with her and just pawned it somewhere. hundred percent, right? yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when it's revealed that's the thing that gets her caught, right? It's not the fact that he notices some of her clothes are missing or that, you know, she had money that she was squirreling away, which she must have actually been doing that library job in part or else she wouldn't have her own money. Because I also don't believe for a moment that she had her own bank account. Oh, no. He would never yeah, that's that. another, like, you can't really give it too much thought as to how this worked, because apparently she was also, had also moved and been paying for her mother's nursing home care in, right. in, in, in secret. It's like, okay, how much does this library job pay? <laughs> <laughs> right. So true. Right. And it goes back to that cartoon villain kind of thing. Like, I feel like this is a broad strokes story, you know, and that's where a lot of the power is. Like, it feels like a fairy tale in a lot of ways, you know, mm -hmm. that it's more symbolic of a lot of things rather than, I think, a story that holds together on its own. One thing I will say that I, I, I actually really like is the differences in uh, the homes they end up mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. uh, how his home is very sterile. I mean, it's a nice house and it's very, sure. it's very tasteful and, 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 you know, it looks like a lot of money went into decorating it and collecting the art and, and you know, it's so-and-so, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not a very, it's not a warm place. It it's, no. yeah. looks like, you know, a place you keep someone in a very nice prison. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and the, 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 house that she pays for apparently out of pocket that right. she didn't have to show any identification for like you know mortgage paperwork or anything 91 <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, good old, the good old the good old days uh i mean the good old days alone is that 700 dollars rent for oh, what appears to be a three-bedroom house mm -hmm. the porch swing yeah it's a lovely little house it's very warm it's very apparently came fully furnished but it, it, it more fits her. Oh, yes. Than, whereas the house is entirely, the, the other house entirely him. Yes. Yeah, that's something I think is really interesting about this movie, too, is it does feel like there are two separate movies kind of 
going on and maybe not two separate movies, but like two separate Julia Roberts, you know, and I, the one that I am familiar with is the second part of it. Like the one, you know, Sarah, you don't know Laura. Exactly. I know Sarah because she reminds me of Steel Magnolias and she reminds me of Rachel. I kept calling her Rachel in my notes throughout this thing because that's her name in Flatliners. Like she Uh, is Julia mm. Roberts in this movie. And she's kind of like, I feel like at this point, I don't know if calling her like kind of a Tom Cruise, she always is playing herself is totally Mm. fair. But like there is an element of that for me because I was so familiar with who she is. But the beginning feels like a different person, you know, and I love the contrast of that. It's like her clothes are so put together and her hair is so long and like, it's clearly not who she wants to be. And I love seeing how much more relaxed she is in the second half of the movie. And I think it's, all of this is a long rambling way of me saying, I think her performance is great because I think we can really see where she feels comfortable in her life and where she is really kind of holding everything together on a knife's edge, you know? Mm. Yeah, I I really enjoy her performance in this as well. I don't want to belittle Julia Roberts, but... <sighs> Her performances often feel a little similar, right? Particularly mm-hmm. when she reaches a certain media saturation slash star level. It's it's always Julia Roberts with the hair and the teeth and the smile. Mm-hmm. And that's great for her because you know what you're going to get. But like, I prefer her in this kind of role compared to something like Pretty Woman or mm-hmm. uh, Runaway Bride. Like any of the rom-com stuff I don't love quite as much because I feel like it's not a challenge or interesting for her whereas here like when she's when she's laura and she's terrified of her husband i feel so much for this character watching her have to have sex with this man after Mm. he hits her Mm -hmm. is really upsetting and julia roberts makes you feel that for her you want her to get away so desperately Mm -hmm. yeah and she and when she has this uh this this new romance, you know, you can see the conflict and, you know, mm-hmm. where allowing herself to, to, you know, take a chance with someone new is, is, you know, part of the healing process. Sure. But, you know, obviously she's terrified and she has mm-hmm. every right to be because this guy has got a little bit of a creep too. And it's only, <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he means to be. Right. Right. But yeah. it's how he comes off. So I was so interested in how the two of you were going to respond to this because I I remember feeling like this guy was a bit bland when I was younger. Like, oh, okay, I guess that's who you're going to go for because you want something simple and easy. And this guy is kind of a dunce, basically. But mm-hmm. honestly, re-watching this again, I know it's a thriller. Like, we're meant to be worried for her because we know that her husband is actively looking for her and she's made a couple of mistakes in this getaway. But there's that one moment where she tells Ben, the new love interest, you know, I'll be there in a moment. And he leaves her house and then sneaks back in to tell her Mm. that the backyard date is ready to go. And I was just like, she has told you she is fucking terrified that this man will Mm. find her. She is a survivor of domestic abuse. Why are you hiding in her fucking house? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this uh this introduction to him. Well, when we see him, like he's he's our next door neighbor, and, and she sees him you mm-hmm. know, singing and dancing because, of course, he's a drama guy, so he's constantly singing and dancing. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. West Side Story every night. He has uh-huh. a he, he, he has a he has an apple tree, so she goes to pick some apples that have fallen, and his body language is like he just keeps coming closer he's and so closer predatory. and closer, and like and you're like, come on, man, but like. You know, I don't think he thinks he's being intimidating. He's no. like, right. to me, you know, it's funny. I, I, this is the first time I, I've seen this movie in, in years. He actually kind of reminds me of Mark Ruffalo. Like he's got, mm-hmm. he's okay. got that sort of like soft voice and like you know, cuddly nice guy thing. But like mm-hmm. at the same time, you, you could see the potential for maybe being able to turn that off real quick. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like okay, why are, is this meant to kind of mess with the audiences? expectations mm-hmm. or is this you know oh you know ladies like this sort of charming guy who can't take no for an answer i, I honestly given the time frame i really don't know i don't know if this was supposed to be a fake out it's like oh well here comes another creep who's you know you know who's being intimidating oh wait no he's a nice guy he means well like i honestly don't know yeah i wonder if that scene was meant to like if, if viewed through the eyes of 1991 if it was meant to kind of maybe implicate her in being the one that is kind of more standoffish, like more overreacting to him because this is very standard guy behavior. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. she is at all. Like she is totally within her like reasonable behavior, especially when he sticks his hand in the crotch of her skirt to pull the apple out. Like that's, mm, that's not okay. And this scene, I think, I don't know. I think, it doesn't feel like the Ben we will come to know. Like there's there's a way that he's lit that makes him more villainous. Mm-hmm. And I could see it, like if I'm looking at it now, I wonder if I could see it just this is the way she will view all men the first time she yes. meets them going forward. Like I wonder if there's an element of that, although I don't know how intentional that is. Because this is very standard guy behavior at the time. It's still very standard guy behavior, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I'm inclined to read it the way you just described, Jen, uh, which is that because we are sort of aligned with Sarah slash Laura, when she meets this man late at night, you know, she's not certain whether or not she can trust him because she doesn't trust any man because Mm -hmm. of what has happened with her husband. I think we're meant to be wary for her. And as a result, his actions all come off as a slightly predatory, creepy, weirdo dude. Even though, yeah, we've already seen him singing and dancing and jumping around in this backyard. Mm-hmm. So it's not until she gets more comfortable with their interactions that he genuinely becomes a love interest. And I think if I were to give him a, a grade overall of how he is with her for the the movie, I think I would probably give him about a B minus, you know? Because I think there are some things that he does very well that I'm very grateful for if I were mm-hmm. putting myself in Sarah's place. And there are some things that I think he does that are gross. Like what we just talked about, the introduction scene, and oh, I like pies. That's just so <laughs> gross. Um, and I didn't even think until I just said it that second ago that there might be a double entendre there. I didn't even think about right. it. I don't think he intends it that way. But there's also the part um, where he's like, I don't know how to feel what I'm feeling if you won't give me this information I want. Like, I don't 
like that either. And I love that she's like, all right, no, then we're done. Yeah, I love that she just walks away. Like, mm-hmm. we we could stand to have a few more interactions between heterosexual men and women where the man says well you owe it to me to be forthcoming or candid or tell me more about yourself and the woman just says i owe you shit and leaves and i think to be fair to him like he does he lets it go with that you know Mm -hmm. like we don't see him really pursuing her i think once he gets it like he is pretty respectful of her like there's the one scene on the stairs which first of all who wants to fuck on the stairs no Nobody, that would hurt. <laughs> oh romance movies exactly Always thinking it's super hot to have sex anywhere but a bedroom or a soft surface i know like isn't there a couch in the other room but i think he is pretty understanding of her like we see he just sits on the swing and lets her come to him and mm-hmm. tell him the story i feel like Because I also want to say, like, it's hard to be in a relationship with somebody who's been in an abusive relationship before. And I can understand his frustration. That doesn't mean he's entitled to anything, but it can be really hard to know what to do, you know? And I think he navigates it reasonably well. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because you're both not wrong. It does feel like the first part of this film is a more traditional kind of hallmark lifetime movie of the week where this woman is in this terrible relationship and then she's got to leave. And then when we get to the new stuff with Ben, it feels very, I don't know, it it's light, it's lovely, you know, watching them go on these dates, even mm-hmm. if we don't think he's the best guy. It's like, you know what, he's a bit of a dum-dum guy that she can at least rebound with and yeah he's got a solid job and a full head of luscious 1991 hair <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know go get that mullet girl you deserve this after <laughs> hanging off that mustache for three years Ooh, man that is a mustache I'm surprised he actually does not literally twirl it at one point because he's just I like, know. they could not draw, unless he had like huge dripping fangs, they could not <laughs> portray this guy as any more of a monster. Right. I almost feel bad for this actor to the, like, to the point where I think I associated men with mustaches as creeps as a result <laughs> of this movie. It is an iconic stash. Oh, yeah, it is. And just his whole persona also, you know, you were talking about it earlier. It's just so late. And there's such a contrast between Mm -hmm. him and Ben. Like they are the epitome of these houses. Also, I think there's there's such a clear dichotomy between before and now. And like his hair, it's close to the same color as hers. It's curly in a way that feels Mm -hmm. like her. Like it feels like they match. And when we see her and Patrick Bergen together at the end, again, it doesn't feel like they match anymore. You can almost kind of feel her flip back into that Lara role, you know? Yeah. Honestly, it sounds a little ridiculous, but I do think that the costuming and the hair in this movie are really important for the story that Mm -hmm. they're telling. Like when we see the husband, Martin, searching for her and like basically playing noir investigator, you know, Mm -hmm. he's wearing a fucking trench coat and stomping (laughs) around interrogating people. There's Mm -hmm. one moment which I don't think they mean for it to be, but it is such high camp. He is at the university after attacking this gay drama teacher in his car. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And then he gets out and he stomps through the campus quad where there's a bunch of like college students playing flag football or frisbee or something. And he just walks straight down the middle through the group where they have to scatter to get out of his way. It was just such a hilarious (laughs) moment. I know. The only thing that would make it better is if that Berlioz score was playing behind him or he had like a boombox on his shoulder playing it. Uh, uh, My favorite part is... (laughs) When he visits her mother at the oh my god at the at the nursing home and the mother like for some reason even though she's twenty five her mother's like eighty I have no mm-hmm. idea why but I guess she was I guess she was a very late in life baby but right, right. but uh, uh but the mother's blind and she's in this nursing home. And so I, I, I guess she's never met him in person, so she doesn't right. she doesn't recognize the sound of his voice. Uh huh. Mm. And so, like he's he's pretending to be a detective who is looking for her for Laura, and um, and so you know he's he's telling the mother basically about himself, like oh well he's a very bad man, so mm-hmm. you should you should probably tell me where Laura. And, like he's like slowly coming at her with a pillow, <laughs> <laughs> and again and again I, I feel like the 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 music should have been playing at this point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like every time Thank he intimidates you, somebody, he, he like puts on the he puts on the boombox and can set to start like freaking people out <laughs> and bending them, <laughs> bending them to his will. Like, uh, hey, hey man, what's with the music? Oh, you know, I just like oh, some God. classical music. Even just the scene of him feeding her is super weird and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like he basically just jabs food at her face and then tells her what it is: carrot. <laughs> Well, okay, and the way he interacts with the water fountain, like Uh, you can tell he is evil by the way he like laps up that water. Oh, I hate it. He looks like a cat. I know it's so gross, and I love that the water fountain like gets revenge at the end by splashing him in the face. So I I posted that I was watching this on social media and literally someone said the sheer way that he drinks from the water fountain <laughs> makes him a villain. Oh, yeah. It's it's just one of those moments, like, just lean into it, you know, and mm-hmm. I fucking love it. Okay, so I want to talk about the date and the costumes, too, but I didn't think in, about this until we were just having this conversation, is there's also a contrast between the music, you know, like... Mm-hmm. This is the first time I'd ever heard Run Around Sue and Brown Eyed Girls and Girl right. in this movie. Like, I fell in love with these songs because it just seems so fun and carefree. She seems like she's having a blast. And I was thinking, like, this is this is one of the times that I really start to like Ben. Right. And I think yeah. he's not doing everything right, but I think he he wants to do everything right. You know, he wants to be a good guy. He wants to support her. I feel like he wants to date her, but not at the expense of making her feel uncomfortable, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was thinking, this is like the perfect date to symbolize all of this because like she's coming from this world where Martin controlled everything about her, like about the clothes that she wears and the way she does her hair. And we have this other contrasting scene where he is essentially saying to her, you be whatever you want. You be whatever. You try these other things. You can Mm -hmm. be what you want. You play dress up. Uh huh. And it's okay with me. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. And I think it just, I was thinking about that as a date for someone who had been in some kind of 
like abusive relationship like this. And I was like, man, that would be good because she can wander around and like look at things. It takes the pressure off of them having like direct eye contact conversation over a dinner table. Mm -hmm. There's stuff to do. And she can like find safety and just like putting a hat on pretending kind of just to be somebody else just for a moment. You know, I was just, it just made me really love him, you know? And then the scene with the swing and the snow, I was like, yeah he has a sense of fun and lightness that that martin does not seem capable of where he where he would think that such things were frivolous and and a waste of time and and i don't even know what they would do for fun probably just stuff that he likes to do Uh you know where whereas ben you know he's like kind of a big kid himself because he's closer to her age too which Mm -hmm. is you know i'm not saying i'm not one of those oh you know all relationships with an age december romance right i'm not you know i'm not one of those you know all, all relationships with an age gap are inherently bad but they they work better for some people than others And Mm -hmm. and I think that she's someone who definitely benefits from, you know, being with someone closer to her age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it never really occurred to me until you mentioned it, Gina. But yeah, it it really does give off the air that this is maybe her first serious relationship and she... She didn't know any better, and then she got trapped in it with Martin, and now all of a mm-hmm. sudden she's got this room to breathe, and like you said, Jen, just kind of experiment, just try on different hats, clothes, mm-hmm. personas when she's with Ben, because he's okay with that, and it does feel really liberating, and you know, this is some movie magic, like watching them dance and twirl in the drama department you feel this sense of relief because it's lighter it's brighter we're actually having fun this is what relationships are meant to be like in a way that only hollywood can really help us to imagine totally most movies if you're going to give me a double musical montage like Mm -hmm. put two songs together i'd be like that's way too much back off (laughs) like this is some sons of anarchy level musical montage you know Um, (laughs) but i love it like i could watch five more songs of this you know it's just it feels fun you know and it feels like something that she's been waiting for so long to have and that i really want for her also you know Mm mm-hmm So how do we feel about the end then? Because we talked about it in Double Jeopardy where we wanted Ashley Judd to save herself and we kind of resented when Tommy Lee Jones came in and had to kind of give her a bit of an assist. I couldn't remember what happened. Like I remember Martin getting shot, but I couldn't remember whether or not she had an assist from Ben. So I thought it was interesting that Ben basically buys her enough time to be her own heroine but really he's impulsive he tries to attack martin and it like just immediately he goes down he's knocked out for the entire climax mm-hmm. do we like her shooting martin i do like it again i i, I can imagine that audiences just erupted in cheers when right. she when, mm-hmm. when she calls the police and the and uh, it says, I says, I'd like to report a murder. <laughs> yeah, I've just killed an intruder. Oh, that sentence has been yeah, burned in and my like, brain. And like, you know, his eyebrows go all the way up like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Again, some more of that, like, great acting we're getting from oh Patrick God. Bergen. I just, I just love it so much. <laughs> And I do, you know, she's a little, she's a little dirty Harry in that moment than mm-hmm. more than I would, I, I find 
plausible, but you, you need that for this character. Because mm-hmm. I, I think the, the idea is, you know, no matter what, he was never going to leave her alone. And, mm-hmm. and you know, at, at best, all she could have gotten arrested for was stalking. And I don't even know if even mm-hmm. stalking was even a crime in 1991, to be honest with you. It, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he, mm-hmm. you know, it might have been like, you know, go get a restraining order. And she already said that, you know, that's not going to work. And, and, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't. You know, I, I don't know if there would have been any legal recourse for her to take. In fact, if anything, you know, once he pointed out, hey, she, you know, faked her own death. Yeah. And, you know, possibly siphoned money, you know, she may have, t- I mean, I don't know if she took any of his money. She might have. And, you know, mm-hmm. she, he might have made more of a case against her being, you know, the offender in this situation. So there really mm-hmm. was, you know, unless he did get physical with her, you know, and possibly, you know, end up killing her or killing Ben, which he was almost certainly about to do at some point. Uh, right. You know, there really was no recourse for her to take except to kill him. Yeah, I I really love the ending of this. I have always loved it, um, but I think this time I really, really, like, I wanted to stand up and cheer too, you know? Mm-hmm. First of all, they could easily have just had him say, if I can't have you, no one can. But the line, like, I can't live without you and I won't let you live without me oh. is so sinister and so mm-hmm. chilling and I just fucking love it. But I love that... They, they, yes, there is the moment where we think he's dead and he grabs her head. But I love that she just makes the decision to kill him and that the movie allows her to do that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make her feel sorry for it. Doesn't nope. make her apologize. And I've been thinking, like, I've recently watched The Luckiest Girl Alive, which is a whole nother conversation. But there's this idea of, like, I'm allowed to feel mad about this and I'm allowed to want to hurt back, you know? And I love that they just let her shoot him. You know, she makes the decision, I'm going to kill you. It's not because he's lunging at her. It's not because she has no other option and it's like a struggle for the gun and she accidentally shoots him or she accidentally stabs him, which I think a lot of movies would do. Like, she just stands there. She says, I'm going to kill you. And she does, you know? And she's totally justified. I don't think there's anybody that would think that's the wrong decision in that moment you know and i love that the movie i don't feel like shames her for it oh no no Mm. no yeah i think it's especially important in 1991 when i'm a hundred percent certain gina that there were no laws against like a husband doing this to his wife or like a restraining order would have been all he would have gotten yeah she in fact wasn't made to be the offender you're absolutely right and i mean yeah it's it's a very Hollywood sensational ending. You know, she doesn't just shoot him once. She sh- shoots him like, what, three, four times. Mm-hmm. He comes back again like a fucking 80s slasher villain. It's very over the top. Mm-hmm. But it's also what we deserve in this mm-hmm. film, right? Like, this is the catharsis that we have been waiting for this entire movie. It's why we have all these ridiculous scenes of him tracking her down because no he never would have let her go it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have mattered what she did this was the only option and i feel like the movie makes it very clear early on that one of them is gonna have to die for this to end Mm -hmm. yes and i love that ben has no part in it like you said he really just buys her time which on one hand i love because it shows that he is empathetic enough to 
know, hey, something is up. Like, it's like that scene in 90210 where she calls David, like, Davy or something. It's what it always reminds me of. And that's how he knows there's an intruder. That's probably a really obscure reference. (laughs) That's a bit of a deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was for, like, ten people. Um, But I love it. Like, he picks up on that. And that, to me, shows, like, he is aware enough of how she's feeling and takes her feelings seriously. But also, Mm -hmm. like, I would have been mad if Patrick Bergen had come back to life, was about to shoot her, and then Ben saves the day. Like, because that's the perfect, like, opportunity to make him the hero now. And I love that he's not even really conscious at the end of the movie. No, no. She's kind of cradling him. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's the story she deserves, you know? She doesn't... She don't need no man to save her anymore. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know that's more or less where we end because of course the movie understands that this is what we've been waiting for. We don't need mm. a happily ever after. For all we know, she says, "You know what, Ben? This has been great, but uh, I can't live in this house anymore where I just shot my dead husband. So <laughs> now I'm going to move on." Like we don't know. It doesn't matter. Right? Exactly. Why don't you move in with me? That's <laughs> that's God. probably what he said. Honestly, you can make me apple pies whenever you want. <laughs> I look fun. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I feel like there's only one other thing I really wanted to discuss in this film. Well, maybe two quick things. One is that uh, I really appreciated that when she decided tonight was the night she was going to make her daring escape and she was going to use her secret ability to swim. She like basically goes commando outfit with the tight braid and the kind of camouflage rain jacket. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> the movie is telling us she's on a mission. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece to me, which I never would have really cared about. It always felt like an unnecessary kind of like, oh my God, let's get to the next part of the film is when she's on the bus and she has the conversation with the woman and she tells the story oh well I was visiting a friend of mine and she Mm. was in a bad marriage and she managed to get out but I feel embarrassed that it took her this long and the woman says how long were you with him Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great moment between women where women get it like yeah I just think it's really powerful yeah, no, I agree. We know, you know, and and again, not shaming, like there's that little smile, like, yeah, I know it was you. And then, but she doesn't pry, you know, uh-uh. she's not like, hey, if you need anything, she's not trying to save her. She's just listening, you know. Yeah. Eat your apple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so any final thoughts on sleeping with the enemy? I want to say every time I hear the name Laura, I hear him screaming Laura off the deck of his house. Like yep. for the last two decades, that sound <laughs> is just in my brain. Yeah, the the actor is actually Irish, and and um, is he? Yeah, oh, wow. he he, uh, he puts on that very you know Hugo weaving American accent, where like mm-hmm. he, he doesn't really he doesn't really sound like he's from anywhere. Just just you know he's just, just vaguely American. He's vaguely American, but then man, he that he loses that American accent when he yells. He's like Laura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, the boat scene is thrilling too. Like, it is. That's a good boat scene. I found it surprisingly well shot. Like, this movie is tense in all the right ways. Like, when it needs to be, it is a proper thriller. But that mm-hmm. boat scene is harrowing because we are in the water. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, any movie that can make straight cans in a pantry terrifying, I think <laughs> I've got to give a hand to, you know. That is what I always remember. Like, even when we were talking about covering this film months ago, mm-hmm. you know, the minute we said Sleeping with the Enemy, I remembered her opening the cupboard and just seeing all the cans lined up and how it's like, that should not be a moment of horror. <laughs> organization should not be horrific Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yet and yet it is yeah i I do like i I, i'm very fortunate that i have not been in a domestic violence situation but but you know i think that you know the movie doesn't you know it's very empathetic in you know here's what the typical experience for you know that you have someone who's kind of a control freak and you know, and I don't think I don't think even it it even really matters to him that much that that the cans are lined up perfectly, or that the the towels are lined up. It's you know, I told you to do this. I want I want to make sure you're doing it. Like I don't I, mm-hmm. I I don't think it's like an OCD thing for him or anything like that. I think it's just you know, here is this list of instructions I'm going to give you, and if you don't follow them perfectly, it gives me an excuse to beat you. And uh-huh. and you know, one of the you know, good scenes that I thought was her getting her house and just not caring if everything was yeah. like lined up or not. Like looking at it as like kind of like an act of defiance that one of her hand mm-hmm. her hand towels isn't perfectly lined up. And I, I you know, I just thought again, there's a, there's some moments when it really veers into very over the, the to the top melodrama. Yeah, but I think in her recovery from this, it's really well done and compassionate. Yeah. And and you know, I, I don't know anything of the background of anybody involved in the making of the movie as far as their own personal experience. But it mm-hmm. feels very personal. Like you know, either mm-hmm. you know someone involved actively involved in the making of it had been in a similar relationship or knew someone who had. And lifted some aspects of it because it feels very realistic to me. Th- those parts yeah. of it do. The parts with Patrick Bergen's character <laughs> just being this, like, you know, horror movie villain, those parts were kind of silly. But the parts with her and, yeah. you know, learning to lift a normal life again felt very real to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is based on a novel by Nancy Price. I don't know what the context of the novel are, but I wonder if it's a more kind of grounded this is how I escape from my husband or this is my escape from domestic abuse. Yeah, because I could see this being a, it does kind of feel like a film adaptation of real life events. You know, right. like it kind of brushes over the details. It gives us our our big win at the end, but it also kind of also gives us some fun moments along the way and an oversimplified villain. Mm-hmm. But like if I think about what the legacy of this movie is, I think I'm just so glad it exists. And thinking about like, me watching this character as a 10 year old and sorry, 11 year old probably. And then growing up with like with her and with Beverly Marsh from it. Like, I feel like, unfortunately it didn't stop me from dating some stinkers and from being, you know, kind of winding up in similar situations, but like I always had them in my mind and I was like, if they can get through it, you know, and if they can Mm. move on with their lives, like, and I feel like a generation of people who were not used to seeing this kind of story taken seriously or put on screen have grown up seeing this. And that's why I'm glad there's an actress like Julia Roberts in this role, because it makes it so much harder to dismiss this story as just like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to smirch any lifetime movies or like made for TV movies, but like, it doesn't feel tawdry. It doesn't feel sensational. You know, it feels like a real story because it is. 
And I think it got in front of more eyeballs as a result. Mm -hmm. Like back in the 90s, Lifetime and Hallmark were not well regarded, even if, you know, we can appropriate and reevaluate them nowadays as worthwhile cultural texts. The simplification is, is this movie went to theaters It made like $170 million because it's Mm -hmm. Julia Roberts. And I think, I hope a bunch of women saw this movie and said, I'm seeing myself on screen and Mm -hmm. I need to help myself. Maybe not going to shoot my abusive husband, but maybe I need to start squirreling money away and taking swim lessons. Yeah. Or even just sympathy for that, you know, like, oh, it's okay for me not to to just think that this is not okay or to feel afraid by somebody like that. Mm -hmm. Even just planting those seeds, I think, goes a lot a lot further than we think it does, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this was a fantastic conversation. But if folks have other memories from the film or if they want to elaborate on any of the points that we made, uh, Jen, how would they get a hold of you? You can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Twitter for as long as it, until it goes down in flames. <laughs> and in um, any other social media place, like it's always going to be Jim Ferratu. There we go. So just try it there. Um, you can find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast where I talk a lot about Beverly Marsh, if you're curious for more thoughts there. And the Psychoanalysis <laughs> podcast about horror and mental health. And we do have a series about toxic relationships where we covered the invisible man too. So if you're curious about more of that, there you go. There we go. Okay. And Gina. Uh, I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, in which we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters. Uh, I, too, am still hanging on to Twitter by a thread (laughs) under Gina Does Things. I'm also under Instagram under the same name. Uh, Jen, you forgot to mention your Substack. You just started Substack. Oh, that's right. I did. (laughs) uh, I, too, have a Substack. It's Gina Watches Things at substack.com or I think it's dot substack.com just look up Gina watches things you'll find it there we go yeah <laughs> and folks can get a hold of me I am at B stole my remote on both Twitter and Instagram and a new episode of horror queers comes out every Wednesday if folks want to hear me talk about some queer horror shit <laughs> but uh this is not the end of white ladies in crisis for the year we're gonna come back with a holiday special and Jen and Gina do not know what I have planned for them. So <laughs> this is the big secret reveal. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a Hallmark movie. So we're going to examine what it means to be a woman during the holiday season. <laughs> but we're going to do it in a, a slight horror kind of way. So we're going to do a take on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol by watching a movie called It's Christmas, comma, Carol. That's the way I like to say it. It's it's actually pronounced It's Christmas Carol. (laughs) Da, 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 da. Here's the thing. Here's my selling feature to you. This one's quite enjoyable. It's silly in all the right ways that you would expect. It's very much a, ooh, can a woman have a profession and also a romantic life? <laughs> oh, but it stars... the age-old question, you know? <laughs> right. The one that women have been asking themselves for a millennia. But <laughs> right. my selling feature to both of you is that the ghost is played. There's only one ghost, assumes all three roles, and it is played by the one and only Carrie Fisher. Oh, okay. <gasps> There you okay. go. I got you back I'm at in. the end, right? <laughs> I'm in, yeah. <laughs> and this one's very easy to track down, so uh, you shouldn't nice. have an issue finding it. 
But yeah, we will be back before the holidays. So uh, keep an eye out for It's Christmas, Carol. <laughs> and until then, take the ring with you. And yes! Pawn it. <laughs> Rings don't flush well. <laughs> Squad.